uh, once again, good morning to New Life Church and good morning friends that are uh, logging uh, with us and worshiping with us through these inferior substitutes. But we thank God for the time that we were able to do that uh, in and through the internet. But we have already an appointed date where we can come and uh, be together as a church again in person. And uh, we really praise God for everything that he has done for us uh, so far. We can say Ebenezer until here the Lord has helped us. And we know that he will continue to help us to follow him and to serve him in and through the ministry of New Life Church here in Abu Dhabi. So if this happened to be your first time with us, uh, again, notice that we are going through the book of Acts of the Apostles. And uh, our series, our sermon series, is titled The Gospel in Motion. And uh, it is really intentional, that motion theme over there in the title. And today, we will pick up from where we stopped last week, uh, where we learned uh, with Pastor Garrett that Stephen a man full of faith and also full of the Holy Spirit, were stoned to death because of the testimony he gave about Jesus, who is the Messiah, whom the people that stoned him rejected and crucified. And today we will see that this same Jesus, the Messiah, is now proclaimed in the region of Samaria by Philip. And just as the people of Samaria had to respond to the gospel, and as God was accomplishing his plan of expanding the church, we also today, we need to respond to the gospel as God is accomplishing his plan of preparing his church to meet with Christ. And my prayer is that at the end of this message, the Holy Spirit will cause all of us, and I mean really all of us, to respond to Jesus in a way that God's name will be glorified in our lives. In a different situation of circumstances that each one of us is living now, to the praises of His glorious grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, the title of our message this morning is Jesus Proclaimed in Samaria. And uh, we find this in the book of Acts, chapter 8, from verse 4 to verse 25. And that says the Word of God. Now, those who were scattered went, went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds were with one accord. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city, and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when, they believe, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, 
they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostle at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this weakness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gulf of bitterness and in bond of iniquity. And Simon, verse 24, And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's ask God's help at this time. Father, once again, I, we pray, Lord, asking for your help. Um, at the beginning, when uh, Robert was introducing the scripture reading, Lord, very clearly, he says that there is no power in men in, that can change people's heart. Only you, O oh Lord, has the power to change our heart when we humbly come to you with our broken hearts and broken spirits, asking for your help. And this is what we pray, Lord, that in us will not be found any root of bitterness, any pride, Lord, but that today will be the day of salvation for us. In the areas of struggle, Lord, in and through the power of your spirit and the power of your word, set us free, Lord. For those that doesn't know you, let the light of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ may shine in their hearts and that they may see your glory in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. All we pray for your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we don't have much time uh, today. Therefore, we will just start digging in the text directly. It's a very, uh, not a difficult test, so to speak, but there are so many things that we have to to speak in this uh, text that is better for us to go step by step for us not to be too long today. So this leads me then to my first point uh, this morning. The gospel proclaimed in Samaria as we read from verses 4 to verse 8. So we see that the narrative straightly begins by showing how those that were scattered because of the per persecution of the church in Jerusalem uh, led to the fulfillment of the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We see, as Pastor presented last week, that after the death of uh, Stephen, Paul, that was in charge of his execution, according to verse 1, has started persecuting others 
in the church of Jerusalem. And this is what then we see in verse 1, that people were running away from Jerusalem to other areas, which include, according to verse 1, Judea and Samaria. But notice, verse 1 says that, except the apostles. So everyone else was going, finding another place to be because of the persecution, except the apostles. And this will be important for our test. So in Acts, as we remember, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, before he was lifted or ascended, before he ascended to heaven, he made a promise. And this is a key verse for the book of Acts. Acts 1, verse 8. The Bible says the following. But you will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as we introduce the book of Acts, we explain that everything that we see in the book of Acts has to do with this verse. The gospel that started in Jerusalem, the new humanity that God has created by the coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell in the heart of man, in Acts chapter 2, is something now that he is expanding to other regions, including the ends of the earth, which means that Gentiles will also welcome to the body of Christ, fulfilling the promise that God even did to Abraham, saying that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So those who were driven from their homes from Jerusalem or felt it wise to leave Jerusalem preached the word, uh, the word of God as they went about from place to place. That's what verse 4 is saying. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the gospel. Most likely, the opportunities for doing so, for preaching the gospel, came naturally. It's like we are going from here to relocate to another country because of other problems. And while there, we explain to people around us why we are in this new place. So this is what was happening here. As the people into the place whose meets they came, these people from Jerusalem came, asked them why they had left their home. Naturally, they start preaching the gospel, saying the reason why they have been uh, persecuted. So they took that opportunity to make Christ known to the region where they were, including Samaria. So in verse 5, we see there that one of the people who went in Samaria was Philip, who along with Stephen was one of the seven men chosen to help the apostles ministry to the early church in Jerusalem, as we saw in chapter 6, verse 5. So for the sake of clarity, we need to say that there is two Philips in the New Testament. The first one is Philip the Apostle, who was commissioned and appointed by Jesus Christ in Matthew 10, 3. And, the verse, and as verse 1 says, he and other apostles stayed in Jerusalem when Saul started persecuting the church. So this Philip that we talk about here is the second Philip, as we say, one of the seven men chosen to take care of the certain administrative task in Acts 6. He is later in the book of Acts called Philip the Evangelist. That's a good title for him. Philip the Evangelist in Acts 21 verse 8. The Philip of our test, as we say, is this Philip Evangelist. So Philip's message about the Messiah in Samaria would certainly have provoked the interest of the Samaritans. Since they had their own uh, expectation of the coming of the Messiah, this was part of their belief. 
Just remember the conversation of Jesus and the Samaritan woman in John 4. Most precisely in verse 25. And here, it is important for us to pause a little bit and to explain again who the Samaritans were uh, for later aspects of our preaching or our message today that we would like to emphasize. So who were the Samaritans? The Samaritans were a racial and religious mixed people of partly Jewish and partly Gentiles. So they were descendants of Jews and Gentiles. And we already know that Gentiles are non-Jews. So every other uh, nationality, according to the Bible, they are Gentiles when compared to the Jews. So Samaritans were then uh, a descendants of Jews and Gentiles. Sometimes mom is uh, Jew and father Gentiles or the opposite, vice versa. But we know in the Bible and the history as well that in 722 BC, Assyria conquered Samaria and exiled most of its inhabitants and replaced them with foreign people, according to 2 Kings uh, chapter 17, verse 24 and, and to 31. It describes very careful, carefully this over there. Essentially, what Assyria was doing was repopulating the area with people other than Jews. So over the time, these foreign people intermarried with Jews who remained in the area. The Samaritans had their own version of the Torah, which is the, the first five books of the Old Testament. They have their own temple. Uh, in Mount Gerizim, and they had their own version of the history of Israel. And because of all these situations, there came a very big social and religious tension between Jews and Gentiles. To the point that even after years of the exile in Babylon, those who came back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple refused the help of the Samaritans. For them, Samaritans were unclean. You see that in Ezra 4.3. Even the leader who was uh, Zerubbabel refused to or to receive help from the Samaritans in the land for them to help them to build the temple. And again, just read carefully John 4, the conversation of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You will see that. Oh, we worship in this temple. No, in that temple, not in this temple. Oh, not in that mountain, that mountain. You see that tension there. And it's also good to remember that even the Gentiles had problems with Samaritan. The Jew had problems with Samaritan as well. So they were just in the land of uh, none, yeah, fighting both sides. So the fact that Philip is proclaiming Christ to the citizens of Samaria serves to highlight the fact behind the narrative that we are seeing that the overcoming of the hostility between Jews and the Samaritan is through their common faith in Christ Jesus. And it is in this sense that this narrative may be seen as a step towards the greater problem of bringing Jews and Gentiles together that we will see Later on in the book of Acts, chapter 10 and 11, when God will send the apostle Peter to the home of the centurion Cornelius. So what I'm trying to say here is that as the gospel is progressing, God, as we learned yesterday, has 
is Christ for the nations. He wants to welcome everyone to this new humanity that he has started with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this, the gospel is open to everyone. It is to the nations. The grace of God that reached us or reaches us so that we may reach the nations with the good news of Christ, the Messiah. So that God's way may be known on the earth. And again, this is what we learned yesterday from Psalm 70, uh, 67. So we need to tell people in our uh, small world, we need to tell them about Jesus. People around your influence, they have to hear Jesus being proclaimed from your mouth. See, these people here, they were running away. But wherever they went, they were proclaiming Jesus. This needs to be our lifestyle just as it was their lifestyle then. Whenever God in his sovereignty will lead you, whenever he will take you, whatever situation you may be facing right now, Please, let us tell the people around us. Let people around your life, in your world of influence, know the grace that God has shown in your life, in and through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Proclaim Jesus and pray for those to whom you will proclaim Jesus. For them to be able to see the light of the gospel. Why? I don't know if you paid attention to the scripture reading. But Paul over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. is saying that people will not see Jesus. Will not receive the gospel. Why? Because their eyes are blinded. There is powers that powers of darkness that are blinding the eyes of those that don't know Jesus for them not to know him and this text will also prove that point and remember one thing you and me we were also walking according to the course of the prince of darkness do you know where is it in the Bible? I can show you. We are studying Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 3. The Bible clearly says that when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, and we were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that is now at work, where? In the sons of disobedience. When you and me, we were sons of disobedience, the power that was preventing us to see God's grace in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ, it was the powers of darkness. But God, in his mercy, he gave us Jesus Christ. And he brought us alive again in him. That's why we need to pray for the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. And even for the people that you are sharing the gospel, pray for them. I remember one, one of the pastors that was training us uh, as we were walking in uh, how to evangelize. He gave us a principle saying, don't speak about Jesus to someone until you talk about that someone to Jesus. Simply because your words cannot change people's heart, but God can. And how we do that? In and through prayer. So, this is the reason why we pray. 
the eyes of people were blinded. And there is a reason why if you read verses 6 to 8, you will see that this Samaria was a place where demons and clean spirits were at work. They bind people into heal, uh, sickness. And the Bible says there in verse 7 that as Philip was preaching and demonstrating that he was acting in the power of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders was being done by, performed by him, pointing the people to Jesus Christ, not to himself, but pointing people to Jesus Christ and to the truth of the gospel as they listen intently to Philip's message. Here, clearly, we see that we cannot proclaim the gospel the God without the power of our, of, of our Lord, the Holy Spirit. The proclamation of the gospel must be in total dependence of God's spirit and his power. This miracle just confirmed that Philip was working by the power and by the power of God, and they were uh, for evangelistic purposes. My second point this morning was or is the two responses to the gospel proclamation that G, uh, Philip was uh, doing in Samaria. This will take me till the end of the message, but we will go step by step. If you see that in verse 9 to 11, we see from verse 9 that Luke is bringing to our attention what had been happening in Samaria before Philip arrived. There had been a man called Simon in the town who had claimed to be somebody great and gained uh, the uh, ears and the belief of the people because he was performing magic. Okay, that's what the word over there says. Yeah? He was performing magic. He had magic powers. So, today, if I ask a young man what is magic, they will say, oh, magic is just a trick. And uh, we all have been, like, while growing up, I remember David Copfield. And uh, whenever there was uh, something about him on TV, we were there just watching because uh, he did some tricks. But now, when the Bible here is saying about magic, it is not the same case we understand it today. Luke is telling us that Simon Magic was assisted by demonic powers. In other words, it was a real witchcraft. It was sorcery. Sorcery. Yeah? Witchcraft. In Angola, we say kimbandaria, fetisaria. I don't know how you say in your country. I know that in Brazil, there is some that they call them orishas. So it was demonic power at work with and in Simon. And because of this power, Simon was deceiving people, saying that this power was from God, and people was calling that great. Yeah? See at the end of verse 10, this man is the power of God that is called great. It is hard to be sure exactly what Simon claimed to be with these words. But in any case, Luke just is presenting him so only as this wizard that was deceiving people by magic assisted by demonic powers. Remember that I said that people's eyes are blinded, according to Paul, because of the prince of this world. And demons have this power. 
Therefore, just a quick note on this. These are, there are these kind of people today, unfortunately. I don't know if you believe in this or not. But I need to tell you that there are these people that in communion with the demonic spirit, they deceive people. And these people, they call themselves great in the sight of God. And they are deceiving many and many people. So we as a church, what I can learn from here, and I would like to share with you, is that we need really to be filled with the Holy Spirit for us to be able to discern who these people are and where wrestle against the power of darkness behind them. But here, it's not, I'm telling this, not for us to shout or for us to, in our own power, uh, we defeat Satan. It is a lie. It is not because of us. It is because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is because of what he has accomplished at the cross of Calvary that he strengthens us in, with the Holy Spirit that dwells in us for us to become this army of God. And sometimes we as a church, we lost our sight of this reality. The Bible calls us also an army. That's why you see in Ephesians, Paul using these five words. We wrestle not against these people because we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. But against what? Principalities. And church, we need to awake ourselves for this reality. There is powers at work in this spiritual realm that are blinding the eyes of many for them not to see the glory of God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I can do an advertisement, please come and join again our Bible studies. We are going through the book of Ephesians. If you come with us till the end, you will see that very clearly how we as a church can fight or are indeed equipped to fight against these powers of darkness. Verse 12. The Bible there says that, but when they believed Philip, when the people believed Philip, as Philip was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Here we see the first response to the gospel. This is the first response that I want to ask to highlight in this passage. We can say, thanks be to God that the powers of darkness that were pre uh, preventing people in Samaria to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ were dissipated by the proclamation of Christ. The effect of Philip's preaching was that people paid attention to him, as we see in verse 6, instead to Simon, as we see in verse 11. They believed uh, Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus and then were baptized. Now, notice the sequence here. They paid attention, they believed, and automatically they were baptized. If you are here, you are a believer and you are not yet baptized. According to God's word, you need to be baptized. And these people responded with belief, and automatically they were baptized. And, and when we go to verse 13, we see now the second response that I want to highlight here. The first is of those people that received the gospel in their hearts. They believed uh, the, the preaching of 
Philip, and they were baptized. Now, let's focus in Simon. Simon, in verse 13, the Bible says that even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So we see uh, Simon also was baptized. But there is uh, many people that they don't agree uh, completely uh, between them on the interpretation of this verse. And this is not uh, my aim today uh, to uh, clarify that, let me say, but I will present what God has put in my heart as I was uh, reading these verses. Yeah? But before we do that, we need to read the rest of the verses from verse 14 to, uh, for us to understand what is happening to Simon here. So when the apostles heard, verse 14, when the apostles heard that Samaria welcomed God's word, they sent Peter and John for them to certify that everything that was happening in Samaria was something genuine. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, the Bible says that God that has started a good work in us, he is faithful to accomplish. So the, the disciples, because they were custodians of the church at that time, of the presence of God, they need to certify that what is happening in Samaria was initiative, was something that God has initiated in the heart of the believers. That is the reason I believe the Bible is saying here that the Samaritans, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit when they uh, were not baptized. And this is the part that I had to change just before the message this evening or during the dawn for me to understand about this. We have said before, and we don't want uh, uh, to conf uh, create confusion, but when we preached on Acts 2, we say that baptism of the Holy Spirit is unique for the time of the book of Acts in and so far Every people that the Bible was saying that were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were engrafted. They became this new humanity and became part of the body of Christ and were united with one another. And the second thing is being filled by the Holy Spirit, which is something that until today we need to pray for according to Ephesians 5.18. Now, remember that I have said that there was a very uh, big dilemma and tension, religious tension between Jews and Gentiles. Even the disciples, Luke 9, the Bible says that John that was present here with his uh, brother, when Jesus was starting his journey to Jerusalem, he wanted to pass through Samaria but the people of Samaria rejected uh, uh, Jesus. And John and James, very because they hated the Samaritans, they say, can we ask fire to come from heaven and consume these guys? And Jesus says in the book of Matthew, you don't know from which spirit are you. So you see this hate. And where did the Holy Spirit came came in and through believers that were only Jews. Even Philip, the, uh, what we say that he was a, a, a Jew with a Greek background, they were Jews that were born outside of Jerusalem, but they were all Jews. There were no any mix. So the Jews had that pride about being the custodian of the covenant that God wanted to spread to the world, but they had that for themselves only. So for them to say that God is doing something to Samaritan, they needed to have the apostle, apostolic authority 
to, for them to be able to believe that what God is doing in Samaria is really true, is from Him. That's why when they came, they prayed for the Holy Spirit. And if you see in verse 18, that Simon saw what, what happened to them. So what that it means is that what happened to the disciples in the beginning, in Acts chapter 2, was the same thing that happened in here with the Samaritans. They saw, Simon saw, there were visible evidence that the Holy Spirit came to the Samaritans. And as I said, as we progress, I believe that Acts chapter 10 and 11 will clarify this because now, or over there, it's not only the Samaritans, but it will be the Gentiles now. So this was the beginning to invite Gentiles to the covenant or to the new covenant that God established with everyone that believes by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is how we can understand why the Bible here is saying that they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. But we can talk more about that for me to be able to explain better if it was not clear. But then we see now the second response that I said that was happening with Simon. Verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So we see then, and uh, Pastor John MacArthur identifies four problems with Simon. He says he had a wrong view of himself, like because of pride, a wrong view of salvation, because he thought that if he was baptized, he would be part of the congregation. And he, was, he had also a wrong view of the Spirit, because he thought that he was able to buy the gift of the Lord, and he also had a wrong view of sin. So we see here very clearly that uh, Simon's heart was not okay. Why do we say so? Because the Bible says so. See what Peter has replied to him in verse 20. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Verse 21. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not what? Right before, before God. As I say, people disagree. Other says he was just uh, a, a, a beginner, uh, like an infant in his walking with Christ. But this term here, his right was not right before God. Meaning he had not a right standing before God. He had not appropriated the righteousness of Christ in his life. Therefore, I believe that here the Bible is saying that he was not saved. Uh, but, yeah, we can say otherwise. But here, that's what I see. Simon was not saved. That's why now Peter was very strong in the way he replied to Simon. The word that over there is saying in verse 21, like perish, I, um, Perish your money and you. Uh, uh, it's, it's really like others say, if you translate that literally, is go to hell, you and your money. What Peter was trying to say, look, if you don't repent, this is what will happen to you. After confronting his heart, then Peter is offering him again what? The gospel. Simon, repent. No matter where you are now, simply what? Repent. Repent. This is a wicked thing that you are doing. Repent. Repent, Simon. 
And because he says, verse 23, For I see that you are in God of a bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. A bitterness of heart, when the Bible says about the bitterness of heart, is simply referring uh, back to uh, Deuteronomy when God was uh, confronting uh, the Israelites for them not to go after other gods, after idolatry. Because if there is that idolatry in them, the fruit of that will only be condemnation. So this is what Peter is referring here. This root of bitterness in you will take you and those that believe in you to hell. Therefore, repent. Now, verse 24 says, Pray for me, Simon responds. Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Well, this is not clear what... Simon is really saying here in terms that other people, they say he was only being sarcastic. Well, I don't see it here. I neither see it and cannot confirm that this word was truly Simon's desire of heart simply because his heart was not right before God. You may decide on you. And I believe that that's not the point of this passage. Luke that wrote this is not here to say whether Simon repented or not repented. For me, it is unclear. It is unclear in this, and this is not the point of this message. What is the point of this message? Verse 25. The Bible says, Now when they had testified, the disciples testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So the disciples who were the custodian of the church, of the gift that God has given to the church, that's why the Bible says that the church is founded in the doctrine of the prophet and the apostles. So they were the foundation. Here they saw that the gift of God has reached to Samaria. And the Samaritans now were part of the church. How do we see this? Let's quickly go to Acts 9, verse 31. We are about to finish. Acts 9, 31. The Bible there, see clearly what the Bible says there. So the church throughout all what? Judea and Galilee. And what? Samaria. The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Samaria was part of the church. That's why the disciples had to come and confirm. And when they went back to Jerusalem, for sure they say. It is genuine, brothers and sisters, what God is doing in Samaria. They are our brothers and our sisters. So this hate needs to stop because we are now one in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit came to create one church where Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles are part of it. The gospel has come to us, Gentiles, through the ministry of the apostles. But you know, the Bible says in James 2.19 that demons, even they believe in Christ. They believe. Therefore, we need to search our hearts. If demons can believe in Christ without changing who they are in essence, we can do that as well. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5, the first part, he's saying for us to search our heart, to allow God's word to come and search our heart. For us to see areas of pride. For us to see areas 
where we are going only through the motions, doing religious activity, but void of the life that the Holy Spirit gives to us. We need to search our heart to see if we want the things of God, but we don't want God himself. And we need to search our heart in a way that we define sin in our lives. I know where this word is talking to me. I know that. And do you know where this word is talking to your heart? May the Holy Spirit continue to do his work in our hearts to the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you once again for this time that we have to hear your word and receive it in our heart. Um, as I said, there are things that even me, I had to fight to change my way of thinking to understand what you wanted to communicate, Lord. And forgive me in the areas that I am still resisting you, O oh Lord, knowingly or unknowingly. And I pray for my brother and my sister that is listening to me today, Lord, that the dear Holy Spirit will continue doing his work of molding us, transforming us from inside out for us to be conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the blood of these martyrs, Lord, that is the seed of the church. The gospel has come to us, Lord. You have given us life in our Lord Jesus Christ through the proclamation of these words unto us. Receive all the glory. It is nothing from us. Lord, we remember those even in our houses, in our families, and even in our church that are still blinded, Lord, that they cannot really see your glory in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, open up our eyes so that we can see you as you really are. We pray all this knowing that you are able to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.